welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. Today we're going to talk about intervention and different ways you can do it in your classroom, including the intervention hour that you keep name dropping in our other podcasts. Okay, great. So let's first talk about what the purpose of intervention is. Okay. I think that when I first started using intervention was um, my previous school, we became a response to intervention school years ago. I think when it was like very first um, becoming popular. And until then, I really had never thought about it. You know, I I had always called kids over and worked one-on-one as much as I could on a very limited basis, but I never really thought about being strategic when I, it came to intervening with kids. Now, this was a long time ago um, when first Rebecca Stewart, hi, Rebecca, <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that went and got trained and came back and talked to our staff, and I remember that our first response was oh my gosh that's so much work Hmm. and it is a lot of work to intervene with kids and to disaggregate data and to make sure you're meeting their needs it is a lot of work but it is um unless you have esgi but the payoff (laughs) is enormous and if you have esgi (laughs) it helps tons for sure and if you want to go buy your ESGI, my code is B7227. <laughs> It'll save you $40 on your subscription. <laughs> so I think that when I first needed, knew I needed to intervene, I, I needed to come up with a plan. And at that time, I had a Title I TA that came to my classroom for my center time. So for that hour and 15-minute block, I had a Title I TA. And so I did rotational centers, which we've talked about. And at that time, I did five centers. And so what I decided to do was I had her meet the lowest group, the first center, and do the normal thing that all five centers were, or, or, yeah, all of the centers were going to do, but now it was going to be four. And so I had her meet with the lowest group and then do the next three rotations, and then the fifth rotation, instead of taking the highest group, I had her take the lowest group once again to do a different activity with them that was more of intervention style. And then I had my high group do an independent activity. And I really noticed that that started to really make a giant difference with my low students to get that extra boost of intervention because you know research shows that the kids who are struggling needs 25 times 25 to get a a typical skill a typical student needs to practice a skill 25 times and the ratio gets bigger and bigger. Are these exact the, numbers from the research or are you estimating? The, these are no these are the exact this is from core Okay. Um, core based in California. You know the big fat core book? Yes, I know the big fat purple yes. core book. Yes, I actually was a core trainer mm. and went through all their training and then I taught the Idaho Comprehensive Literacy course for the state of Idaho. 
as a core trainer. So, so you know that big, fat, purple book well. I know it off. Yeah, I know it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I need to find that research because that is just head research. Because I, when I was the trainer, I remember studying it. And but no, I can't. I don't know what page to find that on. I could, I could find it. So anyway, that extra rotation for those students really started making a giant difference. And so then I decided to up it just a little bit with what I had. And what I had was, um, at the end of the day, when our centers ended, I still had that Title One aid assigned to my room for 10 more minutes. And so after she did all five groups, then I had her pull kids one-on-one to do um, probes. Mm -hmm. of Basically, Ames Fluency Probes was what I was having her do at the time. Mm -hmm. And then moved into Power Pockets, and which is kind of basically a different type, a style to do a fluency probe. So that is kind of the intervention uh, model that I used for the whole time that I was at my old school because that is what I had to work with. I had that great Title I aid that was um, in assigned to my room. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to my new school, they already had a great model that was um, in existence. And what they do is there we have five kindergarten teachers in my school, and the Title I staff of, let's see, there's two Title I teachers, and I'm trying to think, there's one, two, three, four, five or six TAs. Mm -hmm. So there's about seven or eight people that come to the block for um, a time we call power hour, which mm -hmm. is our intervention. Which is the famous intervention hour. Which is the famous intervention. So we have the eight I should have <laughs> should break, probably forget. added them up. <laughs> okay, there's there's flow. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say there's eight people. And if there aren't eight, there should be. <laughs> so those eight people come and they're assigned to the kindergarten for one hour. Well actually it's fifty minutes. And then there's the five kindergarten teachers. And so what we do is we meet together as a team and we disaggregate our data from ESGI and we divide kids up into the groups Can that I they need. Can I admit something to you? Mm -hmm. I don't know what the word disaggregate means. Oh, okay. I don't. I assume it means, well, aggregate is to put together. So I assume, correct, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. So I assume disaggregate <laughs> is taking data apart. It is. Okay. And so, you know, Linda Dunbar taught <laughs> hi, Linda. me. Hi, Linda. <laughs> Linda Dunbar taught me how to disaggregate data. And until I really knew how to look at data, I didn't see the clear picture. Because when you get your scores back, like the Idaho Reading Indicator at that time was um, they had to do their letters in a minute and they had to do their letter sounds in a minute and they had to do phoneme segmentation in a minute. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of similar to what the Dibbles is now mm -hmm. minus the nonsense words. And so, you know, and, and they took those three scores and they blended those three scores together to give the child a one, two, or three. Mm -hmm. And so when you got the score, 
back you saw your kids maybe got a three and it's like woohoo woohoo and she um really brought to our attention that you know you really need to look more closely at the data and break that data apart and see what they scored if they're a one two three in all three areas or if they had just one strong area that carried the other three and i remember that that year that we started disaggregating the data that um, one teacher had a boy that could do phoneme segmentation like he was driving a fire truck and he only knew five letters and he scored a three and so it was just really um, enlightening to see that unless you take your data apart and look at the whole picture you're really going to miss where your students are. And I remember when I moved to my new school, when they were doing intervention, I they were just working with their kids and their like on phonemic awareness. And I'm like, but what skills? And I just kept asking all those hard mm-hmm. questions because of Linda Dunbar. And she taught me, you know, that you don't just say, my kid, this kid is really weak in phonemic awareness. You need to know what skill they're weak in. She was just really into diving into the data. and She was really into that. And I have another question for you. Mm -hmm. If someone does something as if they are driving a fire truck, that means they do it well, I assume. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that means they're really fluent because a fire truck it's is really fast. Fluent. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. With you. And so I just started asking them questions like, you know, I, I'm because I, I was all right, I'm gonna say it, I was a little bit frustrated because I had come from a school where Linda Dunbar has set such a I hope you're listening, Linda. <laughs> but she had set such a high bar for us to really look at data. And I had also taught the Idaho Comprehensive Literacy course with Linda. And so we'd worked really closely together for a couple years on um, being core trainers. And so we really, I really could see the whole picture of the importance of taking that data apart. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me when, you know, they were just pulling kids, you know, you know who your low kids are, mm-hmm. and they were just pulling their lowest students and working with them, which was great. Which is, That's is a, good, it, right? It was great. Just, yeah, there's it was, always it room was, to be better. It was great, but um, then if you, but if you take the data apart, now the kids are going exactly where they need to. So, for example, if I have a student that his scores are low in letter naming and segmenting. We now have a group during intervention that um, works on letter name and segmentation. If I have a kid that's low in rhyming and letter naming fluency, then there is a group that fits those needs. So we take our kids apart, their scores, and we put them in the the groups that is exactly targeted to them. So we're not wasting any of their time. A student isn't going into a room that is teaching rhyming if they already know how to rhyme. So explain to me how this is set up logistically. You have five kindergarten teachers. Mm-hmm. And so during your power hour, you are all splitting up the entire kindergarten kids and okay explain this to me 
So we have, we also have the Waterford um, Read Early Learning Program. I love the Waterford Early Learning Program. I know, I love Waterford. I just love Waterford. And so what we do is we break up into those three sessions. In session one, all of the teachers keep their benchmark students. So during session one right now, I have 12 kids who stay with me for 20 minutes. And during that 20 minutes, I'm doing reader's workshop and um, independent writing. Mm -hmm. And I love it because during that time, I can teach the highest kids at the highest level and they are getting it. And I've got kids that are just writing so great and they're reading really great because I'm able to really meet their needs. My principal doesn't like the word um, intervention for our program. She calls it the extravention mm -hmm. because, um, you know, she says that kids are getting extra because we are meeting the needs of the high kids. Mm -hmm. I also see that as intervention because we are intervening at their, intervention is meeting kids at their level. Mm -hmm. And if you're meeting higher kids at their level, you're still intervening. Mm -hmm. And so during this time when I have my benchmark kids for 20 minutes, my kids that are going to be in the targeted instruction mm -hmm. all are in the Waterford lab. Oh, okay. So, you know, I suppose that this computer lab that we have set up for kids that are doing Waterford, if you didn't have Waterford available in your school, but if you do have access to a computer lab, ABC Yaw and Starfall and ABC Mouse, there's a lot of other programs that are free or nearly free that you know you could use. So then after that first 20 minutes, I send my benchmark group now to the Waterford lab. And my the intervention kids that have been in Waterford, and there's about I'm just going to say probably 40. Those 40 kids now come out from the whole kindergarten. And so those 40 kids now come out and are divided. And in my classroom, there's me and two Title I TAs. In the classroom next door to me are two Title I teachers and a classroom teacher. And in the two classrooms across from me, there there's two groups and two groups. So I think I'm the only room, room that has three groups going on right now. So that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine intervention groups. So the, the 40 students are divided among the nine intervention groups that are going on. And the benchmark kids, like I said, mine all go to the Waterford lab, mm -hmm. but there's only room for 36 in the Waterford lab. And the other or the other half of the benchmark kids are going to two other classrooms. One is a classroom teacher and the other one is a Title I TA who is a retired teacher. Mm -hmm. And they are doing story time. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing basically are the key details, common core um, portion of the... Like retelling story elements yes. and yeah. key details yeah. and that kind of that, that stuff. Yeah. And they're doing that with the benchmark kids. So the kids that are going into the intervention rooms are going to stay in those rooms for 40 minutes for session two and session three. Mm -hmm. But the benchmark kids are going to do 20 minutes with their teacher. 
and then 20 minutes in, e in the Waterford lab and then 20 minutes in story time or vice versa. Okay. So when your intervention kids come, then you, what do you do with them? We have them di divided up, you know, like I said, we have them divided up. Based into, on the data. Based on needs mm -hmm. and the data. And data. the kids that are... Data. 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 <laughs> Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> Potato. Potato. <laughs> da -da -da. <laughs> so one room, the room I told you that has the two Title I teachers and a classroom teacher, that room at, right now, as it exists, are the students who have the most needs. Mm -hmm. They are def they're, um, needing um, targeted instruction in at least four areas. Okay. So that is why they have gone That's to that why room. They're there. That's why they're there. And they rotate between those three teachers receiving that instruction. And the other two rooms are set up what the needs are for those students. Now in my classroom, what we're working on with the three groups that I have right now, we're working with letter sounds and segmenting and moving into nonsense word fluency. And so we rotate in that 20 minute, in that 40 minutes, we do three um, 12 minute, it's three 11.75 <laughs> minute rotations. <laughs> okay. Yes, my timer does set it that way. <laughs> okay. And only people that know me would know that I'm, I would do an 11.75 <laughs> minute rotation to make it perfectly it's be even perfect. in every way. It's got to be perfect. And so the kids just go from group to group to group. And the kids love it. And they move in and out of the benchmark groups. And the groups that I'm working with right now, several of them have only been in the benchmark groups so far. Mm -hmm. And now that we've mo we're moving along the continuum of the skills, they now are needing more targeted instruction. Well, it would depend on which data point you're looking at, right? On to, because mm -hmm. that's going to be a fluid thing. It's very fluid. Mm -hmm. And I've got a couple kids that are new to intervention from the benchmark group. And today the one boy said, I love this room. How do you... I love that we just play games. I mean, he was just so excited and so happy because this was like about day four for this new group. Mm -hmm. And and he's caught on that it's like really fun. <laughs> and he was like, how do I stay in this room? Well, because when you're doing intervention, you're using all these games that you've made up that practice skills, right? That's what you do mm -hmm. for intervention. Mm -hmm. I like that you have all your skills in game form. Yeah, I, I do too. The one that we did today, for example, is the animal alphabet. I just love that animal alphabet that you drew all those animals for me. And that's <laughs> and what I use for my words. Well. <laughs> some are better some are than others. Some are much better than others. They're all cute. You have an adorable umbrella bird, though, by the way. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. I like him. It is cute. This week, I've really focused on that where I've been working with on letter sound with this group. I also work seg do segmenting too, but um, light letter sound is has been my main focus this week, and so I've done the little flashcard game going through them. That research shows that if you do this, um, if you always do the sound last when you do the card of a alligator a mm -hmm. b bear b. Mm -hmm 
that the sound is the most important thing and it actually will link into their brain better. Mm-hmm. So I just have began every center with A, alligator, A, B, bear, ba, C, cat, ka. And I've done that over and over again and then we play the game. But the point I was going to make <laughs> was one of the girls that is in my benchmark group and it was the second day that we were doing that. She said, hey, the beginning sound of the animal is the same as the Mm. letter sound. And it was so fun to see that little light bulb come Mm -hmm. on because she caught on to why we were doing it and found the purpose. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And now she's been trying to teach some of the other kids. (laughs) She's trying to (laughs) impart that knowledge to them. Yeah, and so now it's really easy for her because she's like, uh, duh, elephant, eh. <laughs> <laughs> e. And so today we played a game. I put the cards, just the animals, not the letter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the letter on it. It's just the animal. Mm-hmm. And I drove, drove the truck to them, and they had to draw a card, and I gave them each a whisper phone. And so they had to draw out the animal and they had to call their zoo manager mm-hmm. on the whisper phone <laughs> and tell them, and they had to say the letter name, the animal, and the sound. And if they could do all three, then the manager would let them put that animal in their zoo. Hmm. And so I drove the little truck over to this girl, and she drew out the bear, and she said, B, bear, ba. And so just the picture card, she could do the B and the ba. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm trying to do is draw all of that link together to make sense in their heads so that they have that anchor to connect their thoughts to. Because that's how we all learn. We all learn with connections. Mm-hmm. And so that's an example of um, one of the things that, that sounds I'm fun. working on. That comes from our animal alphabet products. And there's um, the set of cards and there's worksheets. But this one is animal alphabet games. So I think the most important thing about intervention is doing intervention. Figure out how it will work in your classroom and um, how to make the model work. I know that if you don't have any help in your classroom, which is the case of a lot of people, you can get parents. I have a parent that comes in every Wednesday for a half hour and all she's doing is calling kids out one-on-one doing intervention she's doing the power pockets Mm -hmm. for me and so I think you just have to look at how you can make it happen but because kindergarten is is a tough grade to teach because our spectrum of division of students is so huge Mm -hmm. and then there's that research that says you know what is 25 times 25 Mm -hmm. right (laughs) that's enormous that's an enormous amount of times that a kid has to practice a skill And so you just can't give up. You have to give them that opportunity because if in kindergarten you're not able to raise them up, um, the research shows that only eight, if they're not on grade level at the end of kindergarten, they only have an 8% chance of ever getting on grade level. That's that's daunting. Pretty. That's a daunting statistic. And that's part of the Matthew effect Mm -hmm. um, research. And so... That's why, you know, myself, I'm just such a proponent of uh, kindergarten being such an important grade to get the attention of people to 
puts time and effort and resources into it because it matters it matters i mean it's a lot and when you look at that statistic and i watch the little kids that leave my kindergarten classroom not green and especially the kids who are red i know that they have an eight percent chance of ever being on grade level now that makes me really sad and so i want to do everything i can for them to get them on grade level by the time they leave kindergarten. So thanks, Rebecca, for bringing our school response to intervention. And thank you, Linda Dunbar. I cannot thank you enough for teaching me how to disaggregate data. And thank you for teaching me what disaggregate means. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I don't think Word knows how to do how to what disaggregate means either or pages because every time I'm I write the word disaggregate in a Word document spell check does not know how (laughs) and so I always have to look it up on Google because I can't remember how to spell it. it (laughs) So if I was smart enough to know how to add the word to the spell check, I know I need to tell it. I need to say this is how you spell disaggregate. So So, leave me alone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find out more about us at kindergartenkiosk.com, and you can write us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com if you have any questions or stories to tell us. We'd love to hear them. And And if you want to go to our website, kindergartenkiosk.com, and the search bar, if you type in the word disaggregate (laughs) or interventions or assessments, you're going to find some things that I've talked about about how to disaggregate data. If you want to know more. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's edupodcastnetwork.com Now can I listen to it?